Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. The Left Wing is coming to the Three Olympia Theatre on Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023, with Lupus Gerald and Will Slattery joined by Bernard Jackman and Stephen Ferris looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup semi-finals, with Ireland potentially playing for a World Cup final place. Tickets priced from 29.90, including booking fee, and are on sale now. Go to Ticketmaster.ie for more. This is the Rugby World Cup on the Left Wing. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, the Ireland squad had a day off here in Paris today. So it's a good time to catch up on this weekend's other cracking quarterfinal at the Stade de France between France and South Africa on Sunday. Now, later in the pod, I also have a chat with former New Zealand Maoris coach Colin Cooper, who used to coach Jamson Gibson Park at Taranaki and also James Lowe with the Maoris. But first, I caught up with Iltud David, a Welsh journalist living in France. He's been following the France and South Africa camps this week. Okay, so um, Ilto, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, what's your World, li- World Cup been like so far? It's been very, very busy. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been great. I've been up and I did a few games in Paris to start the tournament. And then I went over down to, uh, to Lille and then down to Bordeaux then back to Paris where I live. And then I've been up and down every weekend since then to Lille. So by the end of the group stages, I think I watched 12 or 13 of the 20 teams. Um, so it's been quite good, actually. And I've managed to got quite a, good, a big variety of teams. But as a Welshman, I'm sad to not be able to have seen Wales just yet. So cross my fingers, they get the semis. And you're mainly focusing on France and South Africa this week. Yeah, big time. That's uh, So normally in, in normal test weeks, I'm always 100% on France to be that home away. Um, but because of World Cup and logistics and stuff I've mainly been sticking up Lille which is now on the train which has been fantastic um, and then back this week uh, it's been nice to, to to return to my to my beloved Le Bleu maybe uh, and also covering South Africa is always a lot of fun because uh, Razi Erasmus is around who's, who's never quiet so that's good Yeah what well, anything in particular you enjoyed from Razi this week? Just everything really because I know um, in Ireland he's very well respected because of his time in Munster and he's got Jack Nebar's there and Felix Jones as well so there's an Irish touch to it and I just I just love how Razi plays the game with the media so well not just not just the media it's not just inward looking also outward looking he he appreciates that rugby needs a bit of a buzz around it and it needs a bit more narrative maybe around games he's happy enough to throw a few curveballs out on social media and also a few curveballs during games like that 
the whole traffic light system. He opened up a bit about it this week, saying that it was it was it was used for four different things, but without going into too much detail. So yeah, he he adds a bit of color, and um, yeah, it, it, he almost brightens up your day whenever you hear him in press conferences, which is always nice. Yeah, and he said this week that uh, accused fans of maybe sometimes trying to con referees or like that they simulate. Um, he said, I, I think they do well. What they do well is that they get hit close to the high tackle line. They really show that to the referee. They do simulate sometimes a little bit, which is clever, you know. He got that in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you mentioned the high hits, you know, because his, his, I don't think his first language is, is, is English. And he, he explained to us that sometimes English is a bit difficult for him. Like, I understand that as a, I was born, I grew up speaking Welsh, so it was quite funny having some sort of similarities between him on that level. And then, yeah, and he said that and, you weren't quite sure what it said, but at the same time, when you look back at what happened to Maxim Luku against Italy, that he made a little meal out of it from the Simone Ferrari a challenge from a ruck time. And then also, I remember back to Marike Corbetti, his high tackle on Anthony Gelanche in the 2021 July series. And Gelanche made, made uh, he milked the cows until they came home with that tackle. And then, yeah, so Razi's got reason, definitely. Yeah, we'll get more into South Africa in a moment. But just on France, they named their team tomorrow uh, for, for the quarterfinal with South Africa. Anton Dupont uh, returned to training. So he's on he's on track to start. 100%. It would be strange for him not to start. He's never been... He's never started on the bench under Fabien Galtier. So it would be weird to kind of leave, or any team to leave your best player and probably the best player in the world on the bench, hoping that he can do something in the last half hour. And especially the fact he's a captain as well. Um, that adds another element to it. And I think it'd be weird to leave him off the bench or he'll start. And the other headaches that Galtier's probably got is when his back row does he go with Anthony Gelon, who's been captain for a while, who's just been Antoine Dupont's um, roommate since they're about 15, 16. Or does he go with Francois Cross, who's a bit of a heavier ball carrier and maybe a little bit better um, on the floor? But that's the debate, really. That, that's the only headache that Galtier's really got. Yeah, and some talk as well when Dupont originally got that injury that he might might wear a face mask, but he's been wearing a scrum cap in training, so that's what he's likely to wear on Sunday night. Yeah, I'd say that nine times out of ten, he probably will wear the black scrum hat given to him by Didas. I think it is because that's his main sponsor. Um, and yeah, and he looks all right in training. He looks okay. He he stayed away a bit. He stayed a bit away from contact during the full training session that they have, the full, full blown high intensity sessions that they do do. But I think the French Rugby Federation smartly, intelligently put up a video of him doing some practice tackles on 140 kilo Uni Antonio earlier this week to maybe to prove a point to South Africans that, yeah, despite wearing a scrum hat, he can still tackle quite well. Yeah. And I saw Gregory Aldridge say earlier this week that he, he's no concerns about Dupont being exposed to more damage against Springboks. Uh, and he said that we know that in rugby, if you touch the face, it, it's a red card. Um, but w- will the box go after Dupont? It's weird. I, I hope they do because it's part of the sport, isn't it? That you do have to go a little bit. You treat every play differently and especially halfbacks. Whenever an opposition plays Ireland, Johnny Sexton's always a target. I remember Con- Connie Mur- Connor Murray was a target a few years ago, especially from his box kicks. But it's part of the game, isn't it? You, you target your opposition best players and you play on the border of legality, that's fair enough. And then it's up to the referee to decide what is legal and what is not legal when people decide to do that. If they go near the head with a high tackle and it gets wrong, then sadly something bad could happen to Dupont. But at the same time, it's a red card. Is it worth losing a player 
for a whole game or half a game or last 20 minutes and when you know that you may may have like ruined someone's life because potentially Anton Dupont's injuries are that serious um, I don't think South Africa will do that but South Africa they're a physical team aren't they they don't cut corners when it comes to the up front and I'm sure they will have it'll, there might be a few late hits especially going on Anton Dupont but I doubt they'll target their face but hey he's the best player in the world and if he's not on the pitch or if he's a bit if he is a bit not 100% then it always works in the favour of that position yeah. Um, there seems to be some talk as well that France could go with a 6-2 split on the bench and if that happens that then uh, Jaminet might might miss out. What, what are the chances of them going 6-2 for this? Yeah, that's a lot of the discussion this week. Scrum coach William Salat earlier in the week refused to really say what the plan was but it looks like they might go 6-2. Uh, Johan Moe, fan of the centre, will be there because he can also cover wing. Maxim Luku will be the scrum half. What, but then what's handy is they've got, they can play back row Seku Makalu. Uh, as the sixth forward because he's playing the wing before he played in the wing against South Africa he came off the bench November 2022 he runs I think 35 kilometers an hour they've clocked him as top speed which is not bad it's almost as quick as Kylian Mbappe I think so that kind of when you have that comparison he's got gas okay defensively he might not be the most, most solid guy but he's got speed and then yeah if he's, he's also physical and over the ball it's always handy to have an extra back row if needed on the pitch so yeah it's not something that France have Scared to do Fabian Galtier is quite similar to Razi Erasmus and Jack Nima, where he's happy to be innovative. Okay, maybe not in a World Cup quarter final, but he's done it in the past. And yeah, he'll he'll try things and he'll he'll see what what's needed, especially with South Africa's massive pack. Then six fours on the bench is always handy. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of talk um, before, like during the pool stage and beforehand, about you know us, us Irish people would have preferred to you know play uh, or, or avoid playing France in the quarter final and play New Zealand instead. Uh, what which team would France have preferred to play, Ireland or South Africa? That's a cracking question because I tried to ask people this, the French people, and maybe the Irish like to think about rugby a lot, you know, in sport and the. They, they really, not philosophize, but they look ahead to it a lot and all permutations, etc. When the French are more like, oh, let's just cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> and it's maybe that's because they're quite a bit more relaxed, a bit more Latin. They're like, oh, no, maybe a bit of Spanish, mañana, mañana, tomorrow will come, well, tomorrow comes, sort of thing. And they, they were happy to face whoever, really. And uh, the Irish, they've beaten the Irish in the past in the Galtiers uh, era mandate, and they've also lost to Ireland uh, when they've only, they've only, just they've only beaten South Africa. They've never tasted defeat against the, the Springboks during this kind of since Galtier's been in charge. So they've a, they're a bit more positive regarding South Africa. And I think what France do have is they have individual game breakers that can maybe win the game over South Africa maybe when they are in because Ireland's system is so good that they can get they can n- n- nullify that. Yeah. Oh, listen, any area that we can uh, feel a bit anxious about, um, us Irish are really on that bandwagon. So where where do you see this game being decided? And actually, so South Africa obviously as well have delayed. They usually name their team four days before a game and they've delayed it as well until tomorrow morning. So because Razi was saying he's still de- deliberating over what kind of split he'll go with on the bench. I, I thought after the Ireland game that we may not see the 7-1 again. What do you think for this game? Yeah, he's tweeted um, earlier this week or today, I think, saying maybe he might go 4-4, <laughs> which would be <laughs> funny as well, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he, he likes to put the cats, the cat amongst the pigeons, I think that's the saying in English. Um, I reckon he might go just 6-2, really. 7-1 is a bit extreme. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It puts a lot of pressure on Cobas Reinach and Quacha Smith. Um, 
But no, I think 6-2 is probably the sensible option. 5-3 might be a bit too conservative and he doesn't need to do that. So yeah, I reckon we'll see a 6-2 from Razi and a 6-2 from Fabian Galtier. Who's he starting at 10? Razi. Oh, yeah, they've been quite cagey on that this week, South Africa. They really have. Because both of them are so different, I would say. And the goal-kicking problem that the media and everyone else is talking about and is worried about apart from them internally is such a big factor, especially in knockout rugby. You need those three, six, nine points to keep you going, keep you knocking. Munster did it so well with Ronald O'Gara in the late 90s and the 2000s. Um, rugby hasn't changed that much in that point, really, in the past decade and a half or so. Um, I think he might go with Andrew Pollard. He's a trusted lieutenant. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's played a bit. He, he spent three years in, in Montpellier. He was the highest paid player in world rugby when he was there. I think earning 1.2 million euros a season. So, And he kicks his goals. He's, he's been there before. He's won a World Cup with him. He knows exactly what he does. Um, when Manny Libok can open up the game a bit and he's kind of been almost a symbol of what how South African rugby or South Africa rugby has changed over the past four years is where they've gone away, not gone away, but they've far less dependent on the set piece in the defence. They look to play a bit more with Libok at 10. They can do that. When Andre... Pollard, when he was in the under-20s, he could do that, but he's kind of lost the element to his game. He's become a far more tactician. He's almost like a statesman at Fayaf. You know, he bosses things. He makes sure that everything works in front of him. And then when he needs to be called one, he deals it. Um, I think he'll go with Pollard, though, just because you you need someone dependent kicking the sticks. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And especially after they left those 11 points out on the pitch or, or missed those 11 points against Ireland a few weeks ago. So is is there a growing, like what is the mood kind of, you know, amongst uh, local French people now, now that DuPont, you know, he he will be back, you know, for that quarterfinal. Is there a confidence there? What 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 are you feeling? Yeah, it's funny, in 2007, the last time France hosted a World Cup, it was Chabal Mania. And I think now we've got DuPont Mania big time. Um, he's on billboards everywhere. Anyone who's been over France on this Tens of thousands of Irish people have come over. You'll see him on billboards, on posters, on bottles of water, on yogurt pots, whatever. You know, he's there. He's everywhere. Um, and he's so important. That's what, when, when he broke his cheekbone firstly, that's what everyone was talking about. There might have been Paris fashion going on. The Pope might have been down in Marseille, but no, everyone was talking about Dupont's uh, jaw, face, whatever you want to call it, however it happened. Um, and yeah, he's so important. And everyone loves him so much because he's such a nice character and humble individual and he is so important to this team and the, I think French public realise that when he's playing they can beat anyone in the world and they can beat them well like they did against the All Blacks in 2001 uh, like they did against South Africa uh, Australia well, South Africa as well and um, it wasn't too well but in November and then like they've done so far in this World Cup especially against the All Blacks in the opening game so it helps to have Dupont on your team definitely and he builds confidence around not just the players on the team not just people in the stands but there's 60 million people around France watching as well, hoping for the best. And um, yeah, the French realise how important he is and I think it all goes down to him really. Yeah, no, for sure. I agreed with what Razi said earlier this week that he's never seen Dupont sweat on the pitch. You know, he he is so emotionless uh, when he plays. So what way, what way do you see this game going? I have no idea. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a... I've been, I think every day I've changed my opinion. Or even like between oh, every that's, meal. That's like me with Ireland and New Zealand, yeah. And flipping and flopping. But that's what makes it so great, I think. That's what makes yeah. it so everyone's so excited for these, especially on the all four games, really, because they're all interesting, but especially the, the two between the, the two top four teams in the world that no one knows the way they're gonna go. The coaches must have been tearing their hairs out this week, thinking how do they approach this game? Because the quality opposition is just incredible. They're probably the two best quarterfinals the World Cup will have ever seen regarding quality on the pitch. And um, but no, I think 
for the good of the game, let's just say, and the fact that I've got a lot of French, well, I've got French neighbours everywhere. Let's go, France. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before you go, um, so are we looking at an Ireland-Wales World Cup semi-final then? <laughs> we'll have to get you back on. <laughs> I've got a very good friend who's a huge and Irish fan and uh, I don't think I could live with him for that week. So no, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't? Yeah, no, no. What way do you see the other quarterfinals going? <laughs> uh, I think... I think it all depends on Sexton, how New Zealand maybe treat Sexton as how South Africa treat Dupont. If they go at him early and try and nullify him to a certain extent, um, that could be interesting. But I think Ireland have the systems and have everything in place to win it. It all depends on how the All Blacks deal with Sexton, if they have that individual brilliance, which they can do to win a game. The other two, I'd love to see Fiji win because who doesn't love Fiji? And also who doesn't love watching England lose, really, apart from <laughs> English. So hopefully Fiji can have a bit of fun in the Marseille sunshine down there and also after back Wales against Argentina. Argentina have been the most disappointing I've seen them in a long time, really. Some Argentina journalists have said that they are barely at 60% of what they can play. So hopefully they're at that, like that on the weekend and Wales will win as well. Thanks again to Iltud for giving us his time. Now, earlier today, I also had a chat with former New Zealand Maoris coach Colin Cooper, who used to coach Jamson Gibson Park at Taranaki and also James Lowe with the Maoris. Colin worked very closely with Jamson at Taranaki. And even though he'll be trying to beat the All Blacks this weekend, Colin is very proud of what Jamson has achieved with Ireland rugby. So tell us, Colin, uh, how 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 did you come to know Jameson Gibson Park? Back in 2010, we had a great relationship with Gisborne Boys High and he came over as an academy player and uh, along with Blade Thompson, who played for Scotland, Charlie Natai, who ended up being an All Black. And, th- and those guys, and there were a number of others that ended up playing super, but those three in particular, you know, um, we're very, very proud of. And so... I always remember Jamison coming over and, and he had a natural um, aerobic ability. He he had a big motor on him and he could run and he was quick and he had these skills, but what he lacked was size. And so we said, well, yeah, you know, you need to build you up, Jamo, and you need to start practising your contestable kicks from nine. And I always remember him saying to me, or oh, Coops, I never, I never uh, worried about kicking. All my coaches just said, run, boy, run. And... And you can understand that with the, his aerobic ability and his skills. And um, and so he, you know, he he just developed so well. Um, and he couldn't quite make the super teams here because he didn't. In New Zealand, I think our, our halfbacks were like at least forwards with skills. And because of his size, he didn't quite fit in there. And I had him in the New Zealand Maldives and... Um, with the New Zealand Maoris, he just, you know, he was incredible. He just carved up because of his skill. And and then it, it didn't surprise me when he ended up leaving and going um, <clears throat> to Leinster and, uh, and to Ireland. We, um, and I travelled to Munster and I really enjoyed the people there. Um, we played um, we played Munster and the New Zealand Maoris and we got, um, we got, given a bit of a hiding by the Munster boys and showing um, the, the tough toughness of the Irish and how they play. Um, and so, but I enjoyed the people. So for him going there, it was, um, it was great to see. And he's just developed even more. And, and the way he's got his kicking game now and, you know, Connor Murray has always been in New Zealand eyes as the man 
that that can control the game from nine with his contestable kicks. And um, for Jamison to be at his level and starting some of the tests ahead of him uh, is just a, a great contribute to him of the work he's done and his maturity and how he's grown his game. So we're all very, very proud of him back home in New Zealand. And you said there it was it was his aerobic ability that stood out to you about Jemson. Well, it was the skills with aerobic ability. Like he was always there. He'd always pop up. He had a, um, you know, his offloading game, his stepping, his speed. Um, you know, he had great speed. And I even see now um, the Irish, uh, he's covering the wing, which didn't surprise me because he is quick. Um, so, yeah, he covers it. All he had to do was re- really hard because, remember, he had no kicking game at all. He never kicked the ball. You got told, run it, don't kick it. And um, so, you know, over those years he's developed that. Um, and, and to be where he is now um, playing one of the probably one of the biggest test mat that's coming up, in world rugby and for him to be, you know, in that um, number one world team island is is just incredible. Yeah, and when he started, you know, obviously he moved to Leinster, started representing Ireland. What was the reaction back there to that? Oh, just just proud, just proud of him. Um, you know, like he, he took his, his wife, he's got his children, you know, he had lots of responsibility. He's a humble kid. Um, he, but he was such a neat guy and, um, you know, he was a great team man. Um, he, he was always for the team. So it doesn't surprise a lot of us that he is where he is, um, but it took work. We knew that it would take a lot of work. So having family support, having his wife supporting him and, and having a real purpose for his children, you know, that's those are all the things. Um, that, that I can see that has driven him to where he is. And when you see somebody, a player born in New Zealand, representing another country, does it kind of hit home? Or oh, you know, ones that got away, of course, the same, you know, Bundy, Aki, uh, James Lowe as well. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't feel like that. James Lowe, he was in the New Zealand Māori team with me, and. He had the best left foot kick in New Zealand. We didn't take advantage of that. Um, Ireland's got that now with them. You know, he can. He was doing that back in 16, 17, back here in New Zealand with his left foot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just we're just so um, wrapped and proud of them uh, rather than, you know, disappointed. Bundy Aki, I had, didn't have time with Bundy. So he's the only one. But, you know, it's just... When I saw him on um, <clears throat> in the late last game, the Scotland game, when he was with his children, you know, it was just just incredible. And, and I think um, we're all very proud of those boys. And so, th- what what will it be like for you watching this weekend's game now? Uh, we're excited here because it's a contest, and I, you know. I think when we go and play South Africa, we don't know which way it's going to be. And now Ireland is one of those countries. We don't know which way it's going to go. Um, Ireland deserve their number one ranking. And, uh, yeah, we're just excited and um, and nervous. I'm, a, I'm an all-black fan. So, uh, so yeah, so um, I, I'd say Ireland would be my second team. 
Thanks to Colin for coming on the podcast. And a reminder that the Left Wing Live show is on the 19th of October at the Three Olympia Theatre. It will be Will, Luke, Bernard Jackman and Stephen Ferris. Go to Ticketmaster.ie for details. We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast from the Stade de France on the eve of Ireland's World Cup quarterfinal against New Zealand. Thanks for listening. Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.